me welcome our internet audience, would you? God bless you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, we're in a series called Thrive, and normally I do a series about six weeks, and we're on week nine, okay? And the reason we've extended, honestly, I felt in my heart as I've prayed and, and prepared that, that God was, the Holy Spirit was prompting and leading, and, and just after this many years of studying and praying, I can tell when something is still really flowing on this, and so... Um, we're going to have this week and then also next week we'll, we'll finish up Thrive. There's more to be said, but just to get that rolling in our hearts that God indeed wants us to thrive. Um, and then we'll shift gears for Christmas. And can you believe Christmas is almost here? So, uh, so let's start out today, Psalm 92. And uh, this is our ninth week in a row to read this, okay? So I want you to just receive it as fresh. This is an incredible passage. And I want, I want you to make sure that you don't miss it out and it just become, you know, rote to you. So the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish or thrive in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. And there's no unrighteousness in him. Can we have an amen for God's word this morning? And uh, the thought or the line, so to speak, that all of us have to step over if this is going to happen in our life is, is this thought we introduced to you in the very first week. God does not want us to just survive. He wants us to thrive. And we're talking about a level of living and I'm not, not talking about finances. I'm talking about all across your life. A level of living, of peace, of, of direction, and you name it, you fill in the blank. God is wanting us to, to thrive, and I believe more than we are. And if you're not convinced that God wants you to thrive, you need to read his word. Amen. And his word will show you his intentions. It will reveal to you what he plans for you, what he hopes for you, what he provides for you. But just read his promises. And everything that he talks about in his promises are leading to uh, you being set free, you being moved into a a better place, figurative, Uh, that God doing something to help you to not languish, not just to survive, but to be able to thrive. And so God is wanting that for us, but we, we have to play along. And I don't mean that lightly play along. We have to participate. We have to cooperate with God. And there's some things that he has for us that uh, as, as we in, 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 uh, use these things in our life, involve ourselves in these things in, in our life, we're going to be able to thrive more than we are right now. Now, as I've shared with you every week, uh, if you thrive or don't thrive, there's reasons for that. Okay? This is not just toss it up in the air and see where it comes down. This really are, there are principles and commands and, and things that God has put in place. It's just like anything else, learning to hit a ball, drive a car, bake a cake. There are certain things, if you do that, that'll go well for you. You do that for you, that's not going to turn out good. And, and the same laws apply, the same, there are reasons that apply, both spiritual and practical things that we have to be in tune with. We have to be aware of and then apply in our life or avoid in our life so that we can thrive. Amen? Now, I want to share with you today three biggies, three biggies that must be dealt with. These are three biggies. Uh, you know what I mean by that? I mean, there's not little things here. These three biggies that must be dealt with 
if we're going to thrive. As a matter of fact, if you don't deal with these things, not only will you not thrive, you will digress. You will lose ground in life. And so these three um, must be dealt with. Let me uh, unfold them for you real quick, and then we'll kind of break this down. First one is sin. Sin. Anybody here ever heard of that? Anybody? Anybody here ever sinned? Okay. Sin. And I want to show you what the Savior, Jesus, does about sin. First of all, he paid for our sins, and he conquers sin. Okay? So sin is the first biggie that must be dealt with. The second biggie is this, cares, cares. Let me again bring the Savior in. Jesus cares, and he carries our cares. And by cares here, this has to do watchfully and affectionately. He cares, and he carries our cares. And the third biggie is wounds, wounds. Again, what did Jesus, our Savior, do? He understands wounds better than anybody, and he heals our wounds. So these three, sin, cares, and wounds, so toxic, so damaging. Listen to me. You have to get them out of, out of your life. We've got to get these out of our life. Jesus has already weighed in on this. He's already contributed to this. And we have to respond and participate here. And there's some things I want to show you today to help move sin out of our life, cares out of our life, wounds out of our life. Now, I cannot give full treatment to all of these today. They're all series in themselves, but I can give us some essentials today. And I'll remind you on, a, on occasion during this that there are other aspects of this that could be talked about. But today, uh, in the idea of helping you to thrive, to help you to thrive, there are certain aspects of this that, that we're going to look at today. All of us deal with all three of these. Anybody had sin? Anybody carried cares? Anybody had wounds? Okay. All of us. And, and chances are that if you're not dealing with at least one of these right now, you will be soon. You will be soon. It's the nature of living on this planet, uh, the life that we live, that these things kind of rotate through our lives. And uh, we need to understand if we're going to thrive, we're going to have to be able to deal with things, these things. They cannot remain in our life. They might show up again, but they cannot remain. When I was a, a little kid, I remember we, we uh, like the first time I went to a mall, and it was over in the Orlando area. I grew up in Leesburg, and we went over, I think it was the Altamont Mall, and I just was like, this is awesome. And then we went back again, and I can remember, and I might be a little weird, little weird kid here, but I thought, man, because I had to walk with my mom and dad through the mall, you know, just walk with them the whole time. But in my mind, I wanted to get locked in the mall overnight. <laughs> Anybody else think that before? good. I'm not the only weirdo in this place. So, but, um, I'm not calling you weird. I didn't mean to wound you. Okay. But I just thought, man, I jump on those beds and there's a slushy machine in there. I'd have slushy all night long and candy and play with that and wear that and do all, do all those things. But you know what they do? They have security in the stores and in the mall, they go through, they kind of do a sweep to make sure there's no little weird kids hanging out in the mall. Okay. And so you got, you got to go, you got to go. There are no stowaways, no stowaways. And we cannot not allow these things. They must go. They cannot remain. So let's start with the first one here, sin, sin. Let me just give you an overview. If you're with me, bob your head, say something. All right. All right. Good deal. Romans 3.23, it says all have sinned, all have sinned. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says no one, there's no one who hasn't sinned. Um, there are sins of commission, things you commit, things you do. There are sins of omission, things you omit, things you should have done. 
The Bible tells us that to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is what? It is sin. Then there's the big bad sins. And then there's the small not so bad sins. Oh, really? There's visible sin. There's hidden sin. There's seen. There's unseen. The wages of sin is what? Is death. And sin ruins whatever it touches. It's so acidic. It's so poisonous. It cannot be stored. It cannot be hidden. It cannot be contained. It cannot just be left in our life. It has to be dealt with. Here's the principle. Get this. Sin goes out of our life by way of confession. Sin goes out of our life by way of confession. Now, I don't know what everybody's religious tradition is, where you come from, what your background is, but let me address the idea of confession. There are some traditions that hold that you have to confess to somebody. New Testament, we find that Jesus is our high priest. And you don't have to make an appointment. You don't have to go to anybody. You can go to Jesus wherever you are and you confess to him. He's, he's your priest, okay? He's your high priest. And think of the gas you're saving, you know, just where, wherever you are, that you can confess that to the Lord. So sin goes out of my life, goes out of your life. It comes in our lives in a lot of ways, but it goes out of our life by way of confession, Confession means to admit it, to acknowledge it, to agree that I did this, that this is wrong. Now, that's not really being modeled well in our culture today. You know, we got things with the IRS scandal and stuff like that. Everybody, I don't know anything. I didn't do anything. And, you know, I lost this. I don't know. I don't know what happened. And nobody owning up to anything. The Bible also teaches that humility releases grace. And it's amazing what happens when you just humble yourself. I did this and it is wrong. And the grace that is released. And it's a Bible law that when you humble yourself, grace is released. There is no grace when we remain obstinate about this and I didn't do anything and and yet you did. So confession, we all sin. There's no one who has it. When we confess our sin, that's how it goes out of our life. And we confess it to the Lord. In Psalm 32, David, talking about his own sin... He said this, as long as I stayed silent, don't miss this. As long as I stayed silent, my bones grew old. He said, I groaned all day long. And he says, and your hand was heavy upon me. But when I acknowledged my sin and confessed it, there it is, confessed it to you, you forgave me. That's when things changed, when he confessed his sins. And so Sin goes out of our life by way of confession. Let's look in 1 John. What a powerful passage this is. You need to be familiar with all of this. 1 John 1, 7, the B portion of the verse says this. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You've got to know that. Everybody read that with me. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Ultimately, that's what cleanses us of sin. But how we trigger that in our life is this. Let's keep reading here. Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9. If we, what? Confess. I admit it. I agree with you, God. This is sin and this is wrong. I acknowledge this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Chapter two, verse one, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. I don't want you to sin, but, or, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, his blood cleanses us, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Isn't that beautiful? That is powerful. Let's go back to verse nine here. If we confess our sins, and watch how this works. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. Is he? To forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me tell you how it kind of works with me. And I think you need to talk it out with God. You know, I I don't think we should have a silent Christianity. You know, there are times where I pray silent, but I do better praying out loud. Uh... I don't know what silent rejoicing is. You know, I think when we come to church, we should make a joyful noise to the Lord. You know, we clap, we laugh, we sing. You know, all of those things. We, we say amen. We, you know, all of those things. Let the redeemed of the Lord think so. No, say so. And so I find I do better, even reading the word, I do better to read it, you know, out, out loud. And that's not a learning disability or something. It actually helps me. And so, um, you know, of course, there are times, you know, if you're on the bus or a plane or something, you don't mean, and then God said, you know, you don't need to be doing that. Please don't do that, okay? But for me, either silently or out loud, I will confess to the Lord, Lord, I did this, I said that, I shouldn't have done that, I shouldn't have thought that, should have, should have, shouldn't have, this or that, and confess it to the Lord and say, Lord, it is sin, you are right, I am wrong, this is sin, and I confess it to you. Now watch this. And as I confess it to you according to your own word, God, you said if I would confess it to you, you are faithful and you are just. And if you are faithful and just and I confess it to you, then I am forgiven and I am cleansed. And something goes off on the inside of me in a wonderful way when I get down to that place. God, I confess this all to you. And you are faithful and you are just. And therefore, I am forgiven and I am cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Sin goes out of our life by way of confession. Can you say amen? Next one is cares, cares. Let me ask you this. How many of you have sinned, first of all, just ever or heard of it? Okay, good, okay. Uh, if you say you have no sin, well, we just read that one, okay? <laughs> cares, how many of you have ever had cares, okay? What are cares? There are anxieties, concerns, worries, cares. And uh, here's the reality of this. You and I are not equipped. We're not designed to carry cares. When we carry cares... We are not ourselves. It affects us physically. There are a lot of sickness and disease that are definitely related to stress and related to care and anxiety. It affects us physically. It affects us emotionally. It affects us mentally. It affects our creativity. It affects us spiritually. It affects us relationally. We could go on and on how it impacts us in this way. And so this, just like sin, I cannot leave sin in my life. Guess what? Sin might come into my life again. I omit, I commit. Okay? Are y'all here? And so um, as that happens, as sin comes into my life again, what do I do? Same thing I did. 
Sin goes out of my life by way of confession. Well, guess what? Cares, and I'm going to show you how to get rid of cares, but how many of you know that cares are probably going to come back in another way? You ever had a raccoon get in your garbage? And you chase them off, and guess what they do? They don't leave and go, boy, we're never going back there again. He looked mad, you know? No, they wait till you go inside, and they come back again, all right? So cares are kind of that way. It's just the, the nature of our enemy as well. So these cares... The Greek word for cares that we're going to look at here is the word, Greek word, merimna. Now, you don't have to remember that, but I just wanted you to hear it because I'm going to point it out in a minute here. Merimna. And it means this, care and anxiety that brings disruption. Everybody say disruption. It's care and anxiety that brings disruption to the personality and to the mind. Have you had that? You all have. You know, I can't sleep. I'm not myself. The people around you even realize it. What's going on, man? What's going on? And, and what happens is you have merimna. And there's not a cream for that, okay? <laughs> We're going to show you what to do with this in a moment. But it care and anxiety that brings about disruption. Disruption in your personality and in your mind. And that must be dealt with. Now, let me talk about another level of cares, first of all. You ready for this? Now, I'll use the English word for this. Normal. Normal cares. How many of you know that just traveling through this life, there are cares and situations and stuff you have to, to care? Uh, studies show that about 25% of your day, you're going to have to deal with unpleasantries and challenges. It's normal. Everybody say normal. It just goes with it, you know. Uh, it can be your birthday, you know. It can be Thanksgiving, you know, it could be that day at school where after lunch they're going to give you ice cream and then free play, but you still had to do math class, you know? So every day there are some cares, there's some unpleasantries, there's some challenges, things like that. You know, it's Thanksgiving, a beautiful day, and Alicia's little dog, I mean our precious puppy, um, <laughs> created some challenges for me early in the morning, you know? And so... We have these things that are just normal that go with our life. What do you do with that? Just handle them. You don't treat normal. I mean, if something's normal, you just, you just deal with it. But then there's this other level of merimna that brings about disruption in us. And this is what we have to deal with. Here's how we deal with it. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, casting all your merimna. This is cares and anxieties that bring disruption. In your mind, in your personality. Casting all your care upon where? On him who cares. And this is a different word. This has to do with watchfully, carefully. Uh, he cares. He's wanting to help out of his love for you. For he, for he cares for you. So casting all your care upon him. For he cares for you. Look at it in the Old Testament. In Psalm 55 verse 22. Cast your cares. And it's a Hebrew equivalent here. Cast your cares on the, on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. It implies to us that if I don't cast my cares on him, if I hold on to these cares, I will not be sustained and I probably will be shaken. So I've got to move these out as well. I can't keep sin in my life. I can't keep care in my life. This does not mean that we turn into some irresponsible person. You know, it's like cares. Uh, I don't like bills. I don't like work. I don't like responsibility. You know, you can't, you don't live that way. Okay. You ask the Lord, what do I do? Grace me to do what I need to do. But the care part of it, the weight of it, 
The, the anxiety that comes from it. You and I are not designed. We're not equipped to handle that. So we have to cast that on the Lord. This word cast, both Old and New Testament, means to throw, to hurl, to fling away. I, I didn't have time to make this really happen, but I was thinking about it yesterday. I'm going and finding some big, realistic-looking giant spiders, <laughs> hooking them on some strings and throwing them over some girders. And at just the right moment, you know, lower them down on you. And what would you do if that came on you? You would cast. Your sudden marimna would go flying across the room. Am I, am I right? You would, you would cast that away. Yet a lot of people do this. Cares come on them. And they're just like, well, it's just my life. It's just the way things go for me. You know, and, and they just take that and then they pack that down. They medicate that or whatever they would do. And this is what you've got to do with cares. You've got to get them out of you. You've got to cast them and get them out of your life. Now, words are also involved in this. And when I'm casting cares on the Lord, I just think you need to say it. God, this is heavy. Show me what I need to do in this. But the weight of this, I'm casting over onto you. I'm getting it off of me. And it's by faith. God, by faith now, the weight of this is off of me and it's on you. Are y'all, are y'all hearing me? The weight of this is off of me and it's on you. I will do whatever you show me to do and whatever you grace me to do. But I can't carry the care and the weight of this. I roll this over onto you. And you give it to the Lord. And, then, and listen, I'm not going beyond scripture here too. And then I think you need to have like a mental picture of that. Oh, no, I just stay with Scripture, not mental pictures. Who wired you this way? God did. And all the worry and care is definitely up here. And so I think at that point, too, by faith, Lord, I I cast this care. I roll this care over onto you. I think you also just kind of need to see that transfer happening. You know, God taking the handle, God taking the weight, whatever it looks like for you, that you get that care off of you and get it over onto the Lord. And usually we diagnose these. We say, oh, this is because of that bill. This is because of that situation at work. This is because of what the doctor said. It's this, it's this, it's this, it's all these things. How many of you know sometimes I can't put my finger on it? I don't know what this is that is weighing me down. Did you know you have an enemy of your soul? For the rest of you, you have an enemy of your soul. And one of the things he does, and this is a whole other message for a whole other time, is he uses... A spirit of heaviness to come on you. And you don't know what it is, but I'll tell you what, it brings disruption to the personality and to the, and to the mind. And that heaviness, and I've told you this and told you this and told you this, I'm going to tell you again, here's what you do with that. And I do it sometimes multiple times during the day. You sense that and you don't know what it is, don't leave it on you. Don't leave it on you. Well, I don't know if there's a poisonous spider or not. No, get it off of you. And when that's on you, get it off of you. And here's how you get that kind of thing off of you. Heaviness, in the name of Jesus, leave me now. You want to practice that one time? Everybody say this. Heaviness, in the name of Jesus, leave me now. And it's not you turning red in the mirror. It's the power of Jesus' name. It's the authority that his name commands. Heaviness, whatever you are, I don't know what you are. But in the name of Jesus, you leave me now and get that off of you as well. Amen? Let's move on and talk about wounds here. Welcome to planet Earth. 
And if you're here, you'll hurt. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get scuffed up. Things are going to happen just by virtue of you being here on planet Earth. And I'm not talking about hitting your wounds. I'm not talking about hitting your thumb with a hammer or bumping your toe on something. But I'm going to tell you this. If you don't deal with wounds and you don't deal with sin, you're going to be much more vulnerable to wounds. You ever bitten your cheek before? And then what happens a few minutes later? You bite it again because it's kind of puffed up from that. And I'm telling you, you've got to get sin, got to get cares out of your life or you're much more susceptible to wounds in your life. Jesus said in Luke 17, 1, it is impossible that offenses not come. So as long as we're here on this earth, and Mylon was here a couple weeks ago, he goes, this is Florida, this is not heaven, okay? As long as we're still here on earth, offenses are going to come, things come, wounds come. I was thinking about it, and here's how a lot of it comes. Hurt people, hurt people. Rewind that a little bit further. Go back a couple pages. Hurt people, hurt people. Somebody hurt them. Hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people. At some point, that's got to stop. Hurt people, hurt people. Careless people, hurt people. Selfish people, hurt people. Evil people, hurt people. We hurt ourselves. Life hurts us. Stuff hurts us. And we end up with wounds. I want to share with you real quick three level, three levels of wounds. And the answer to each of these levels of wounds. You ready for this? Look at me for this. Forgive. You got to forgive. Now, I see you're reluctant to buy in on this yet. Yeah, I want to hear more. So I'm not so easy to forgive. And I'm only going to talk about the aspects of forgiveness that deal with you and you thriving. There's so much more to be said. But we're talking about forgiving people, things, organizations, whatever. We're forgiving And hear hear this, they need not be present to win, okay? They don't even have to be here. It's a matter of you setting yourself free and you forgiving, okay? So the first level is minor offenses, minor offenses, a discourtesy to you, disrespected, you got dishonored, you got treated lightly. It's a slight. Can I tell you where it hits us? Our ego, our ego. Before the day is out, something's going to bruise or scrape or scratch your ego. It's a slight. Let me tell you what to do about it, okay? How about let it go? Or you just shake it off. How many of you have no idea what those songs are? It's because your grandkids don't live local or something. Okay. All right. Seriously. Serious. Let it go. Shake it off. And I want to tell you this about all of us. We've all been forgiven. We can afford to forgive. I can afford to forgive. You can afford to give. For, you can afford to forgive. Shake it off. Let it go. 
1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, says that one of the aspects of that love is that we're not easily angered or provoked. Think about this. We live under the ever-flowing fountain of God's love and grace. We, we can afford a little grace. We can, we can afford to, you know what, that hurt my feelings. Ouch. Let it go. You know, sometimes it does not serve us well. I have done this before. So-and-so said that you said this. You know what it does? It just messes things up more. You know what's easier? Let it go. Do I need to play the song again? No. It is, by the way, statistically the most overplayed song ever in the history of the world. Just sharing that. Minor offenses. The next level is legitimate wounds. Legitimate wounds. This is a betrayal. Somebody has done you wrong. And if it wasn't, it sure feels like it was intentional. And the temptation with a legitimate wound, somebody has done you wrong. The temptation is to get revenge. Come on. How many of you, be honest, somebody's done you wrong, and in your little mind, because you're crafty, you're creative, you go, "Uh uh-huh. You think this is over. Now, usually we're not brave enough to go ahead on the revenge, but full color, 3D, HD, it's all here, right? Let's see. Now, Santa comes down the chimney into your house. I bet I could, too. That's the temptation. But let me tell you, revenge never satisfies. It never satisfies. And revenge always complicates. Because you ratchet it up, and you know what? Now they're tempted for revenge. That's how wars start. That's how feuds go on and on and on. We've got to let it go. But listen to this. It's a legitimate wound. It's wrong in anybody's eyes. Here's what we need to do. We need to follow this. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. Really happen. Next step. Ready? Grieve it. Grieve it. Feel it. And then let it go. See, don't go all Sunday school on this. Somebody does your, oh, I'm fine. Praise the Lord. Forgive you. (laughs) And you're seething, festering everywhere else, you know. And I'm telling you, the reality is, you've got to acknowledge, whoa, wow, whoa. And then you need to grieve it. Don't allow bitterness to set up, but grieve it. And then forgive. And let me tell you what you're doing when you forgive. You are surrendering your right to get revenge. It's over. You owe me nothing. And I'm telling you what, that is a point of freedom for you. In Luke 23, verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they do. And you say, oh, I think they did know what they were doing. They don't fully know what they're doing. Neither do you when you hurt other people. And neither does anyone when they hurt a child of God. And so acknowledge it, grieve it, forgive, let it go. Surrender your right for revenge. And then lastly, life-shattering injustice. This is like unreal, heartbreaking, gut-wrenching Some of you have gone through some things. Some of you need to be grateful you haven't. This too requires process. 
this requires God. It requires time. It requires hard work. It requires good help. And it requires repeated and massive doses of God's grace. And Jesus understands. And Jesus can heal us of those kind of things. In Psalm 34, verse 18, it says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I tell you, when you're hurting, you're never going to find God closer than when you're hurting. I want to read to you something. This true story happened about two years ago. A New York woman named Victoria Ruvalo was minding her own business one snowy night, driving her car down a New York highway. She didn't realize she was minutes away from an unbelievable wrongdoing. A group of teenagers out joyriding that night approached Victoria in the opposite lane on the same highway. One of the teenagers, 18-year-old Ryan Cushing, reached into a grocery bag, pulled out a 20-pound frozen turkey they'd purchased with a stolen credit card, and just for grins, lobbed it out the back window into the lane of oncoming traffic. That large frozen turkey smashed through Victoria's windshield and crushed nearly every bone in her face. She almost died at the scene of this horrific accident, and she was in a coma for weeks. Ryan was soon arrested for that crime. Victoria was no stranger to personal loss. The youngest of seven children, she had already lost two brothers, a nephew, and a beloved brother-in-law in unrelated accidents and one in a murder. Then when she was 38 years old, her full-term baby died. And now this. If anyone had a reason to feel like a victim, Victoria fit the bill. After several surgeries, months of recuperation, indescribable levels of pain, and permanent scarring, Victoria decided to attend the sentencing of the young man who had done this horrible thing to her. The judge gave Victoria permission to speak in the packed courtroom that day. And with a steady voice, she said, and this is what I want you to get. With a steady voice, she said, there is just no room for vengeance in my heart and my life. And I do not believe that a long, hard prison term would do me, you, or society any good. I truly hope that by demonstrating compassion and leniency, I've encouraged you to seek an honorable life. If my generosity will help you mature into a responsible, compassionate, honest man whose graciousness is a source of pride to your loved ones and your community, then I will truly be gratified and my suffering will not have been in vain. Now, I don't know how long it would take me to get to that place. Seriously. But here's the line. She said, there is just no room for vengeance in my heart and in my life. Do you see? She was freeing herself. She gave herself a gift. She freed herself from bitterness. She freed herself so that, not even really about the other person, so that she could be free and so she could be preserved. It doesn't change what was done. It doesn't change what happened. It doesn't change the circumstances. That's all, that's all on the other side of the fence, folks. It's for right now, for me, for you, if we're going to thrive. We're going to have to get sin out of our life. 
We're going to have to get cares out of our life. And we're going to have to get the wounds out of our life. And I don't know everybody here and I don't know everybody's story, but listen to me, look at me. You've all been hurt. And it might have been minor and it grew into something big. It might have been a really legitimate wound that came to your life. And it might have been something horrible like Victoria's story. None of us have room. None of us have room for vengeance in our heart and in our life. Give yourself the gift. Free yourself from bitterness. As I said, it does not change what happened. It does not change what was done. But it frees you. And it preserves you. And God can work out the rest. And there's a lot that can be said about the rest of that. That's not our topic today. Our topic today is you and your heart and inside of you that you could be free. Sin, cares, wounds. A savior comes in. Because listen to me. No religion, no philosophy, no brand of thought, no anything can deal with sin, cares, and wounds. We have to push them down. We have to react. We have to medicate them or something. But a Savior comes. And when he comes, what about our sins? He pays for our sins and conquers it for us. We need to cooperate with him and confess it out of our life. What about our cares? He cares. And he'll carry them for us. But we've got to cast them over onto him. What about wounds? On any level, he understands and he heals. And if we'll just give it to him and not hold on to it and hold on to them and all of this and the what ifs and I'll get back and all of those things and just let it go and shake it off and let him be the healer. Set yourself free because he understands and he heals. These three biggies cannot stay in our lives. I'm going to warn you, they'll come back and they'll come back and they'll come back, but you never let them stay. And you know that every time you know you have a Savior. This is why we need a Savior. And it's with a Savior in our life that we can truly thrive. Amen? Did y'all get anything at all out of this today?